everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. You know, it's incredible to uh, see what happens when you connect God with sex, isn't it? The media attention, you just talk about sex and God or the church and sex and people freak like it's uncommon, unusual, weird, out of the ordinary, edgy. It shouldn't be because as we know, our God created sex. It was his idea. He gave sex to us before sin ever entered the human equation. So it's sort of funny, hilarious, ironic that everyone is like, wow, you're talking about this sex experiment? You're talking about married couples having sexual intercourse for seven days? This is, this is crazy. Well, over the last several centuries, here's what the church has said about sex. Not much, not very much. We've allowed our culture to hijack sex from us. Yet here at Fellowship Church, we're changing all of that because God from cover to cover talks about sex. For example, he made love, he invented love, thus those of us who are true believers can really make love. Have you ever thought about that? We're the sex experts because we know the author of sex. Sex is for the marriage bed. The scriptures say the marriage bed is undefiled. In other words, it's a place of protection, a place of freedom. I know there's some here in an audience this size and, and, and you, have, you have moved the stanchion. You're like, you know what? I'm gonna do sex my way. I'm gonna go for it and you've gone for it and you've slept in this bed or that bed or maybe you're hooked into porn. Maybe you're living in Las Vegas and Las Vegas is living in you. And in this search for freedom, you find yourself strangely incarcerated. You find yourself enslaved to sexual sin. True sexual freedom, we're gonna find out, occurs within the guidelines and guardrails within the stanchions of God's directives. Here is where we have freedom. Here is true liberation. Here is true creativity. Here is true, are you ready for this? Worship. Did you realize when a husband and wife make love, it's an act of worship? Did, did, did you realize that when you fulfill your spouse's desire, it's a part of your discipleship? That, that might give a whole new twist, a whole new meaning to making love. Honey, let's go home and worship. <laughs> I feel like some discipleship. How about you? AOL just conducted a study, and this study had to do with 60,000 fathers. 
79% of these fathers said that they want more sex. 60% of these guys said that they regularly view porn. And then 40% of these fathers now said their sexual advances are rejected at least once a week. Isn't that amazing? So those of us who are Christians, those of us who understand the, the gospel, we should be the sexperts. We should be the ones who understand what it really means to make love. But to make love in marriage, you're gonna have to make time for it. I've been married for a while. Lisa and I have four kids and I've discovered something. There's some bedroom barriers that you have to get over if you're gonna have a wonderful sex life. Again, I'll say it from this stage. You know, we're talking about Las Vegas. I'll just put the cards on the table. Your sex life is a mirror, a reflection of the depth and the majesty of your marriage. Your sex life is a mirror of the majesty, the makeup, the depth of your marriage. You know, the deal is, it's not that we don't think about sex in marriage. You know, we, we think about it a lot, especially the men do. That's not the point. The point is we don't think deeply enough about it. And if we're not thinking right, we're not gonna feel right. If we don't feel right, we're not gonna act right. So today we're beginning this experiment, seven days of sex. How to move from whining about the economy to whoopee, how do you do that? We're gonna talk about sex. Now when I say sex, I'm not talking about holding hands while you walk in the park. I'm not talking about giving your husband a back rub. I'm not talking about verbal intercourse or emotional intercourse, no, 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 no. I'm talking about sexual intercourse. I'll say it again, sexual intercourse. And if you have a problem with the church talking about sex, let me tell you something, brother, you've got a problem with God. You ain't got a problem with me. You don't have a problem with someone else. You've got a problem with God. And I'll tell you something else, husbands and wives, if you're hearing no regularly, because you know, in marriage, usually one is more in the mood than the other, right? I'm the only one, right? <laughs> People are like, I know, I know. What do you do? What do you do when one is in the mood and one is not that much in the mood? What do you do when one is in the mood for love and the other's like, oh, I just don't feel it? What do you do? Those are some great questions. That's why, again, we're embarking on this sex experiment over the next seven days as we make love. And I'm talking about true love. But, but let's talk about some barriers because during this week of whoopee, we're gonna have to deal with these barriers. Now the first barrier that we all deal with, those of us who have kids, have gotta be children. I mean, I mean kids, K-I-D-S. I've written about this in a book, Kid CEO. You know what kid stands for? Keeping intimacy at a distance successfully. <laughs> kids. And if you don't believe me, just crank out a couple of kids and it's amazing how they can keep you from sex. How do you do that? How do you, how do you deal with the kids? 
Even when they become teenagers, you still have to deal with them. And you watch what's going to happen this week. This week, you're going to put them down, not when they're ready, but when you're ready. And you're going to tell your teenagers, hey, go to your room. It's 930. Stay in your room. Don't come downstairs. Don't get near our bedroom. I know. And some of the students are like, oh, man, you mean my mom and dad are going to have sex every day for a week? Ah, this is gross. I don't want to think about it. Ah. Well, you better think about it because that's why you're here. If they hadn't have done it, you wouldn't be here. But we got to talk about this, this stanchion. This is a bedroom blockade. See, on one hand, we have the freedom, the sexual liberty of sex in the marriage bed. This is where God wants us to practice it, but we've got to deal with kids. This next barrier, this next stanchion is career. I mean, a career is, is a blockade to sex because we give our best in the marketplace. The, the, the best offensive octane we have, the creativity, the ingenuity, we're into it, we're on point. We look the best, we dress the best, we're just striving to achieve. That can be a blockade to sex. Another blockade to sex has got to be this one, commitments. So many of us, I mean, if we were totally honest with ourselves, we'd go, you know what? I'm overcommitted, I'm overstimulated, and everything is just over the top. It is not that we have a problem with commitment. I would argue we're just committed to the wrong things. I didn't say bad things, just the wrong things. And good, the good commitments can keep us from great, the great commitment. So we're going to have to learn the art of saying no, 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 no. Because when we say no, 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 about those commitments, guess what will happen? It'll open the door to love. We got to make time to make love. Say that with me. I like that. We got to make time to make love. Now, right now, some singles are going like, wah, wah, wah. Singles. Again, sex is for the marriage bit. You're thinking, okay, what do I do for the next week? I don't know, try eating something like chocolate cake for the next week. <laughs> Some of the wives are like, hey, that's better than sex. I wouldn't. <laughs> but we're gonna take a long look at our commitments. This week, you watch and see what happens. These barriers will come down, the kids, the, the career. You see, because when we know we're gonna have some action at home, it is amazing the creativity and the offensive octane that we sometimes waste, waste at work. It's amazing how we'll save that up <laughs> for the bed. And then, and then the commitments. I mean, we're going to look at our commitments. It's going to be amazing how many times we say, no, 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 because, you know, we got to do our thing, right? <laughs> Speaking of doing our thing, this is, this is funny. A couple of years ago, Lisa and I went on a trip with our kids and we decided to get two hotel rooms. 
one for us and the other for our four kids. And one of our twins at the time, I don't know, she was maybe 10. She, she looked at us and she goes, hey, mom, dad, I know why you have your own room. I go, really? Why, Landra? She goes, because you guys can do your thing. I said, you're right. That's why we got a separate room so we can do our thing. So it's a good thing that our kids understand this and hear this message. So kids and career and commitments and this, this last tension, this is a real one. Exhaustion. I'm tired. I've just had one of those days. I'm just, I just, I just, I just can't. I really, really can't. Exhaustion is real. But here's what's so interesting. Let me, let me talk to the wives. I've seen and heard about wives who are like, oh, not tonight, honey, I'm just tired. And all of a sudden the phone will ring and it's your best friend. Hey girl, how you doing? Oh, oh, it's unbelievable. Where'd that energy come from? So it's time that we move the stanchions. So as we move the stanchions and free ourselves up, we're gonna do this sex experiment. Are you ready for the sex experiment? I am ready for the sex experiment because sex is all about intimacy and intimacy is all about sex. Believers should have the best sex life because we understand that sex comes from God. There's seven things that's gonna happen in your marriage over the next seven days as you make love over the next seven days. Seven things that'll happen in your marriage during this sex experiment. Do you wanna hear about them? Yeah. Do, do, do you really wanna hear about them? I do. I, wa I wanna hear about them. Because we might have to expand the nursery after this series in about nine months. Here's the first one. Number one, we're fulfilling God's purpose. When we make love, in marriage, we're fulfilling God's purpose. See, the stanchions are down. We have the freedom to make love. We're fulfilling God's purpose. The Bible says this, the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter two, verse 24. You've probably heard this before if you've hung around church. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Kids leave, spouses stay they will become one flesh. Look at your spouse for a second. Look at your spouse for a second. Your spouse should be a sexpert. So say, baby, you're a sexpert. Just say it right now. If you're seated next to your spouse. Whoa, let me, let me, let me qualify that. Because remember, when we said, I do, we said, you know what? I'm only gonna do it with you. When I said I do, I said, you know what? I'm only gonna do it with Lisa for the rest of my life. And she was making that same decision, that same commitment. Now, after about two years, most marriages go, ooh, I've only gotta do it with you for the rest of my life. 
Wah, wah, wah. That sounds boring. Uh, uh, uh. I'm not so sure. And then what do we do? We begin to look around and we have these mobile eyes and we plagiarize and fantasize and then we get all fouled up, rationalize. The Bible says, for this reason, for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. It doesn't say the two will be one flesh, the two shall become. It's that becoming part that's challenging. So every time you have sex with your spouse, you're fulfilling God's purpose. Because guess what? Your body is not your body. Your body is for God. And if you're married, your body is your spouse's body. What do you do when one wants it and the other doesn't? What do you do when one's in the mood and the other isn't? What do you do? Well, I'll answer that as we continue to go on. Let's look at the second thing. Not only does it fulfill God's purpose, also it reveals your true self. When I have sexual intercourse in marriage, it reveals my true self. That's why Lisa and I wrote this book called The Marriage Mirror. Marriage is a mirror. Reflected in marriage is Ed at his best and Ed at his worst. As I look into Lisa's eyes, that's what I see, a big mirror. When she looks into my eyes, that's what she sees, Lisa at her best and Lisa at her worst. One of the reasons why people bolt on marriage is because they don't like what they see reflected back. They don't like their junk and their funk. They don't like their inconsistencies. They don't like their anger, their resentment. They don't like that, so they go, whoa, I don't like it, I'm out. Or they look and go, you know what, I don't really dig it, so I'm just not gonna have sex that much. Because if you don't have sex very much, you don't have to really get to know the person. And, and that's the, the, the awesome thing about this experiment. You can run, baby, but you can't hide. This week, because we're gonna have sex so much, we have got to talk. We have got to deal with these issues. We've got to be intimate. I like that word, intimacy. Into me, see? The closer I get to Lisa, the more I see my good and my bad. The more I see Lisa's good and Lisa's bad. My favorite musician has got to be Bono. I think the guy is, is really a cool guy. I love you too, love their music, and I've seen him in concert. You know, I've sat in the nosebleed section several times. And a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to have coffee with Bono, just a few people. Bono, man, right there, we had coffee. And, and it was really great to, to talk to him and, 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 and to hear and to see his heart and his passion. He's really a very humble guy. I, I really like him. But one of the things, one of the kind of the negative things I saw about Bono, you, you can't tell it, put the picture back up. If we could, we, there's no way. The dude had dirt all up under his fingernails. That was just odd to me. Bono, guy's probably worth a billion dollars. Dirty fingernails. I'm like, that's weird. 
Botswana. So I saw the good. I heard more good and felt more good than, than bad. The only bad I saw was like dirt on the fingernails. But I did see that because I got so close to him. When we get close to our spouse, when we make love regularly, we see the good, but also we see the dirt under our spouse's fingernails. And guess what? We see it under our fingernails as well. And a lot of people don't want to mess with that. You're starting to get too intimate, too close. This is why this experiment is so amazing and so awesome. Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. We're emotionally naked. We're spiritually naked. We're physically naked. Nakedness assumes intimacy. But notice the third reason, the third thing that'll happen when we make love for the next seven days. It will thwart sexual temptation. It will thwart sexual temptation. Back in the day, you had to look for lust. Now lust will look for you. We've got to leave Las Vegas because too many of us go to this place and when we live in Las Vegas, what happens? Las Vegas ends up living in us. It's time that we allow God to lead us to a place of grace. Sex is reserved for the marriage bed. One man, one woman in marriage. Back in the garden, Adam had one wife, Eve. Jesus has one bride, the church. Have you ever thought about the role that you play in the lust quotient that your spouse deals with? Have you, have you ever thought about that? Because ladies, I know so often you don't understand how a man is wired. Ladies just don't understand a man's sex drive. And obviously you don't because you're not men. Just like men, we don't know or understand a woman's mind. How can we ever understand a woman's mind? We can appreciate it, but we can't understand it. Now, now I hope you know, guys, that, that, that women are smarter than you. I mean, they're a lot smarter than we are. Have you, have you ever realized that? Well, if you haven't, man, you better realize it now. But let me say a word, though, to ladies. I want to say a 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5 word. Okay, because we're talking about congregational copulation, right? <laughs> do not deprive. Let me say it again. Husbands, wives, do not deprive. In other words, let's put that positive. That means fulfill. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time. Wow. One's in the mood, one's not in the mood. What do you do, what do you do? Do you wait and say, you know what? I'm just gonna wait until we both feel it. And when we're both amped up and we're both on the same page, then we can do our thing. If you wait that long, you'll never have sex. Well, yeah, maybe once a year on your anniversary or if you go to Bora Bora, win some trip with your company but it ain't gonna happen. What do you do when one's in the mood and one's out of the mood? Well, the Bible says, don't deprive 
each other of sexual relations. In other words, do it. Just do it. Say it again. Just do it. In marriage, it should be all about unselfishness. We're believers. We have submitted our lives to God. Our bodies are his, our bodies are our spouses. We're to meet one another's needs. So it should be a whole thing of unselfishness. And the scripture says, as we fulfill one another's sexual urges, guess what's gonna happen? Look at the last part of verse five. You won't believe this, man, this will mess you up. So you can give yourselves more completely to, say it with me, prayer. (laughs) Are you ready for this? Sexual fulfillment in the rack, in the bed, is all about seeking God and knowing his will and praying better. (laughs) Again, please, this week, do not take my name in vain. Well, it said. No, 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 don't be doing that. I'm talking about God's word. God said. So again, if you got a problem with this, you ain't got a problem with me, you got a problem with God. You've got an authority issue, man. You've got an authority issue, woman. And if you're hearing no a lot, your marriage needs some help. It's fine to say no, but no with an appointment. Because ladies, I'm a guy. Let me, let me sit here, right here and tell you this. I'm a guy. And a normal, red-blooded husband, if he is not fulfilled, if he does not make love at least once every 72 hours, sexual stimuli becomes almost overpowering. Whoa! 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 Do you realize, wives, the role that you play in this? And you're telling me, and you're telling God you use sex as a weapon? Sex as a reward? Sex as kind of a a point system? You mean you got your man, your husband on a starvation diet? Okay, I've not fed you for the last three weeks, but tonight, if you play your cards right, you can have some din-din. And and wives, right now, the wives are going like this. I know what you're thinking. You're going, oh, well, that's just like a man. (laughs) Typical. Lisa's getting ready to talk. Okay, my wife's getting ready to come up here. So so, so just chill. Just take a (laughs) relaxed pill. Here's what a man's sexual drive is like, ladies. I'm talking to the wives now. Let's say, for example, You and your husband are in this room, and there's a table in the room. On the table is a giant pitcher of water with one glass. Ladies, you're incapacitated. Your husband is not. Your husband is the only one who can give you a drink of water. So what do you do? You get thirsty, you go, honey, would you please pour me a glass of water? And what if your husband goes, you know, I don't really feel like it. Maybe in a couple of hours. You say, okay. A couple hours go by. <laughs> Honey, about that water. 
And you go, oh, you know, I'm not sure about the water because the kids, man, they've just been wearing me out. And you know, my career, I'm just into the career. And you know, there's, there, there's soccer practice. I don't have time to get you water right now. And I'm totally, totally exhausted. Not now. And you leave. You come back the next day and your wife is dying for some water. Baby, get me some water now. I want some water. I am thirsty. And you turn and say, with an attitude like that, you ain't going to get no water. And then you beg and you plead, please give me some water. I'm dying of thirst. I want some water. And you go. Okay, just drink it, just drink it. Are you finished now? Now, one would think at this point that the wife wouldn't want any moderate water for a long time. One would think she wouldn't want any water for days and days and days, but are you kidding me? Now she's gonna be like, wow. I've got to go through all of that just to get a drink of water. I'm going to walk around on pins and needles. I'm going to be careful of everything I do because, man, I've got to work for it to get some water. Wives, so goes your husband's sex drive. So sex should be easily accessible. It should be done regularly, enthusiastically, and creatively, it's an act of worship, a part of our discipleship. When we clock out of here, God's gonna say, how did you fulfill your spouse's sexual desire? So you gotta realize, ladies, the role that you play in lust. <laughs> Last night, <laughs> I came home after the service and it was, my son's birthday, and so, so we'd gotten some pizza. And the pizza had been out on the counter for a while. And, and after I speak, I will eat anything inside. Normally, you know, I don't eat pizza all the time. I love pizza, but I don't eat pizza a lot. And I saw this pizza, and even though it was cold, I'm like <laughs> I really never had a bad pizza. Sex is like pizza. I just never had bad pizza in my life. It can be a little cold. It can have maybe a little bit too much cheese on it, but I, it's all good. And so husbands and wives, even when we're not in the mood, even the men, let's say you're not in the mood, when you begin to serve your spouse, when you begin to do your thing, while you're doing your thing, I guarantee it, you'll say, I'm glad. I'm doing this thing. You'll say that. It's part of fulfillment. But, you know, I can't get to seven today. I'll finish, I'll finish the, 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 the next three next time. But let me, let me do one more. Fourth thing, we're 
establishing a legacy. So it's the fulfillment of God's purpose. I'm revealing my true self. I'm thwarting sexual temptation and I'm establishing a legacy. You see, Jesus is Lord over our loins. Guys, he's Lord over your boxers. He's Lord. And God has your body for a reason and your spouse has your body for a reason. You wanna leave a legacy? You wanna, you wanna impact your kids? Make love regularly. You wanna impact those people at work? You wanna snap the heads of others and they go, wow, something is different about your life, about your marriage. It's a mirror. Make love regularly. You want people to see what you do and what you don't do? You want people to go, Mo, whoa, whoa, look, look, look at their priorities, man. They, they have that stuff down cold. It's about sex. You, fatigue? Come on. Yeah, I understand we're tired. And yeah, if you're really tired, you can say no, but no with an appointment. Don't just say no. Don't think about it. Get your hands off of me. Because ladies, when you reject your husband's advances, you're rejecting the totality of who he is. You're rejecting his mind, body, and soul. You got some power. You got some power. Let's leverage the power for the Lord. Leave a legacy, a legacy for our kids, for their future spouses, grandchildren, on and on and on. So see, see the protection now We've kind of flipped these stanchions, see the beauty, see the freedom in marriage. We can make love because God made love. He invented it. Now, are you ready to hear from Lisa? I am. All right, Lisa. As Ed said, we are created in the image of God. And because of that, um, we have the right to celebrate this great gift that he's given us of sex. But just as we're created in his image, we're also very uniquely male and uniquely female. So we've seen already, as Ed's described, the man's perspective, the man's uh, view of sex and the sexual needs. But then there's the woman's side of sex and how so much of what we um, think about sex plays out in how we participate in the marriage bed. And I have a confession, for many, many years, I had a warped view of what sex should be like in marriage. And I did not look to scripture and did not look to, to what God says about sex. I just used what I had grown up with or my cultural experience or whatever. And I've come to find out that this, this gift is very beautiful but it also plays a huge role in the intimacy of our marriage, not just the physical intimacy, but the emotional intimacy, our spiritual intimacy, it all is woven together. Um, I think about in our relationship, uh, so many times there's a, a misnomer, a misconception as far as the husbands and the wives. And Ed talked about it earlier when he mentioned selfishness and being unselfish in our fulfillment of uh, our spouse's needs. Too often, I hear couples who'll say, well, you know, I wanna give 50% and he'll meet me with 50% and we meet halfway. And that's contrary to what God has called couples to do. 
individuals in a marriage to do. We're called to give 100% unconditional love to our spouses. And they're called to give 100% to us, and to the other. And so it uh, molds and melds, and that's how that one flesh comes into play. It's 100% from both sides. Now, the charge I'd like to give to guys today, because Ed's spoken a lot so far, and I wanna give a, a charge to you, men. I want you to do what the scripture says, which is to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You talk about 100%. Jesus didn't come halfway. He didn't come with 40%, 50%, 60%. He came with 100% enthusiasm, giving his life sacrificially for the church. And that is what he's called you. It's a reflection of that in your marriage, to give yourself to your spouse to honor her. When Jesus died on the cross for us, he was placing a high value on our lives. And when you love your wife that way, you're putting a value that is just, we can't even understand it. And one of the greatest struggles that women has, have are with their self-esteem, feeling, having the right view of themselves the way God created them. And so often their view of themselves is directly based on how you treat them. I know that. I know when, if Ed is, is treating me um, in an honorable way, I feel that so deeply and richly. And there are many women who are sitting in this place today and they don't feel that value. They don't feel the love and the sacrifice from you as a husband. And, and so it's time to step up 100% value her the way God values her. And he valued her so much that he gave his son for her. That's the kind of love that they need, that we need. Now, I also wanna give you another charge, lead out spiritually. As you're giving of yourself sacrificially and honoring your wife, lead out spiritually, because that's the deepest need that she has, is to know that you're guiding and directing the family in this tremendous, uh, holding that banner high of the spiritual walk with God. Now ladies, I wanna give a word to you as well. We've talked a lot about the sexual needs of a man. And I wanna give you a charge because I think that we, um, for some reason, use more than we would like to admit sex as a leverage or um, as a reward system, a punishment, as Ed mentioned before. We have the opportunity, it's not a curse, it's not a duty, it's an opportunity to be the great lover of our husbands. The great lover of our husbands. And by doing that, by being that person who is enthusiastic about sex, who is encouraging about sex, who looks forward to sex, who plans for it, for, plans for sex on our own, who initiates it, we have the opportunity to put guardrails around our marriage, to protect their minds and their hearts from lust, from pornography, because so often that creeps in when rejection has taken place over and over and over again. I wanna share with you a passage of scripture. It's found in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. And this is a, a, a verse, one verse in particular, that Ed's dad read at our wedding. And I have recommended it for so many couples. And it is a, a passage of scripture that you need to adopt and live by. It's Ephesians 4, um, and I'll start with verse 29. 
Do, and apply this as a husband-wife relationship. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And I know that as we talk about this very important thing, this, this sexual uh, week of uh, experiment, I know that there are many who are dealing with bitterness and rage and anger. But in light of this next verse, I want you to deeply consider the next step. And that is uh, Ephesians 4 verse 32. But be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. In light of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we cannot hold back forgiveness for our spouse. Whether it's woman to man or man to woman, we must be uh, people of forgiveness because we have been so freely forgiven. God wants to do a miracle in your marriage and he will use this experiment, the seven days of sex challenge. He will use that so that things are talked about, discussed, but more importantly, that forgiveness is given so that marriages can be healed and God can truly take your marriage to a holy another level. A holy another level. Well, Lisa and I wrote this journal uh, several months ago for marriage. It's called the Creative Marriage Journal. And one side is he said, on the other side, it's she said. And in the beginning, I uh, wrote marriage is not so much for your happiness as much as it is for your holiness and it has different scripture verses. And Lisa, what we would like to challenge um, the spouses to do here during this experiment is actually to write down what you're experiencing. And we're not talking about anything explicit or something like that, but just what God is doing in your life, what's happening, the intimacy that you're experiencing. And after you've done this for the next seven days, he said, she said, after you've done this, then we're gonna talk to you about emailing this uh, to our website because we're gonna use um, some of these experiences, some of these stories as we continue to talk about this sex experiment. And next weekend, we're gonna continue this as, as, as I conclude the seven things we need to think about whenever we make love to our spouse. And we're gonna talk about some other exciting and in-depth issues. You know, it's great that, that uh, this has kind of sparked interest from media yeah. and all of that. That's wonderful. But the most important thing here is not about a gimmick or, or a lure to get people to church. It's about those who are married, who want to seek God's best for their life, to go deeper in their relationship, first and foremost with God, but in the relationship with your spouse. That's right. Culture has robbed sexuality from us. They've hijacked and, it. They've hijacked it. And it is time for marriages to be so strong and so beautiful that we just absolutely shock the world. And Ed and I, more than anything I can think of besides establishing a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, want you to know that the marriage is the most important earthly relationship. I mean, our heart beats so hard and fast to see couples take seriously what God wants to do in your life. 
He wants to make you a, a, a sign. He wants your life to be a sign for the world to see that God's way works. And so I just ask and, and that you would pray over this singles. This week, great, have your chocolate cake, but pray. <laughs> Pray for marriages, because you know married couples that need right. this type of, of just a revolution in their marriages. So pray for them and pray for your own purity and for the future relationships that God has for you, because he does have such a beautiful picture of what marriage should be. And you know, uh, for a long, long time, the church <laughs> has sort of kicked the bed out and they've kicked God out of the bed. And I'm so excited that the church is bringing the bed back into her midst. But I've got news for you. God has never left the bed. He's never left the bed. And he is Lord and he wants the best for all of our lives. So there's no telling what's gonna happen as we do this experiment and as we talk about these issues and as we understand, Lisa, what it means to leave Las Vegas and live in this place of grace. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.